Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I am not joined by my us- usual co-host Lee. I'm not joined by my wife Claire. But we've got an extra special guest this week, that's right, joining us once again is Mr. Toby Zarb. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, co-host of uh, what we're doing over there on Patreon, the Great Scott Podcast. Oh yeah, we need to do another episode of that. We do. I think we're up to. We're about to record Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Can we just talk about Top Gun <laughs> instead of uh, what we're going to get into? Yeah, but uh, how, how you been? Yeah, yeah, same old. Good, yeah. good. Have you seen anything good recently? Any any films you'd recommend? Anything um, new, old? Anything? What did I watch? I watched. Um, I watched. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ooh. again. Is this because I texted you about how I'd recently been yeah, re-watching? Yeah, I'd, I'd been wanting to rewatch it for a while. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like the first two-thirds of it. Where, where does it fall apart for you? I'm intrigued. Um, I don't know, towards the end, I guess. Like, it's really brutal, that last scene. Oh, it's fucking insane. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I forgot how... Horrif- horrifically violent that yeah, final it, scene is. It, and it's like it's only a little bit of it, but it really is. Like I, I don't know. I love Brad mm. Pitt in it. Brad Pitt. That's like one of Pitt's best roles, I think. I mean, it's what won him his Oscar finally. So oh, yeah. did he win an Oscar for that? Yeah, best supporting. Oh, oh there you go. Mm. Uh, I watched uh, Days of Future Past as well. How does that hold up? <sighs> yeah, it's not bad. I was yeah. watching um, Apocalypse today. Oh, well, God, yeah, okay, not good. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I saw that once in the cinema, and I'm like, nah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm that, done. that's not great, but Days of Future Past isn't bad. Like, uh, Hugh Jackman is, is pretty great in it, so, Ooh. you know, that's, that's all you can really say about that film. Yeah, it, it's, it's a movie, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's on the better end of the X-Men films. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's not as good as Logan. Are, are you sorry? You mean Days of Future Past? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, I thought no, you meant no, yeah. No, that's not a <laughs> no, no, no. no. Yeah. Not that crap. Um, all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something else I watched, but I've forgotten now. Didn't letterbox it. Yeah. I've been just going through a whole bunch of. I, I think it's in prep for um, the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've been on a Tarantino kick and. Uh, just finished rewatching Jackie Brown. Yeah, you mentioned which, that. Which was kind of in prep for going to see Coffee the other night at a Cinemaniac screening, yep. which was amazing. Yep. Dragged Claire to watch her first black exploitation film. Yep. <laughs> she, had a, she had a great time. Oh, that's good. The disco pimp with the massive moose knuckle is still hilarious. I've never seen it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan of black exploitation for one reason or the other. I don't know. It's like the like, same reason why I didn't like Dolomite. Yeah. It, it's. I found with you that it, there's certain types of bad movies that you really dig, and yeah. like other types, you just like nut. Nah, yeah, I, I just don't can't. Time. I don't have time for it. I'd rather watch like Terminator Three or something like that. Yeah, you're kind of more for the modern schlock. That's why you love Cats so much. <laughs> oh, Cats is amazing. <laughs> Nobody can say a bad thing about that. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into this week's episode, we've got a couple of uh, listener uh, emails and things. So, basically, coming in hot on the heels of the divorce Italian style, uh, it seemed everyone thoroughly enjoyed the uh, one flew over the cuckold's nest tagline. <laughs> um, and we've got uh, Andrew Jarrett, who's one of our uh, Captain Internationalists, one of our patrons over there on Patreon. He said, uh, his one is, you think that incest and murder are too much? Well, that's just divorce Italian style, baby. 
Yeah, right. Or love is not incest if you're prepared to murder for it. <laughs> I, I to, thought trying to wrap my head around it, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, Toby. This was a movie where a guy uh, falls in love with his first cousin and um, basically wants to try and divorce is illegal in Italy. Oh, you told me. So he has to get yeah. be made a cuckold so his wife could, he then is, yeah, can justifiably murder his wife so he can marry his cousin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's... it's a Shelbyville movie, really. Shelbyville. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Andrew also said uh, that the, the first cousin thing really threw him and it, it kind of took him out of the film. Um, that he kind of so much so that he had to actually stop and do a bit of a deep dive to be like, all right, what the fuck is going on? And apparently, historically in the South, especially, it had been a thing uh, since records began. What <laughs> incest? Yeah, and in fact, it started around that fifty percent of registered marriages in Southern Italy were to first cousins, uncle, niece, or aunt, nephew. Okay. Even as late as the sixties, uh, it was still around about two percent of marriages. Wow, and that's yeah. not illegal to marry your first cousin. I mean, not back then. I think it is now. So mm. okay, interesting. Yeah, but he said, oh, <laughs> he said once he kind of got his head around that, it still grossed him out. But he was able to kind of get into the. F- it, it's weird when a film's central premise is incest. So, <laughs> oh, but, look, I'm not here to kink shame anyone. No, well, that's it. I mean, to each their own. <laughs> The amount of times I now say kink shaming on this podcast is ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. And the other one, um, I think in the Italian style, divorce Italian style episode, I brought up a couple of times that I just really thought Marcel Mastrioni kind of looked like Rowan Atkinson. And so oh, you sent me that photo. I managed to track down two side by side photos, put them on Instagram, and uh, it was a resounding no, Chris is fucking crazy. No, look, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think he does. Yeah. I, I, it was not necessarily the look. It was just the attitude of mm-hmm. him, I think. But... I don't know. It looks similar to me. Yeah. But that's about all the listener mail we've got for the time being. Um, as we've said, Lee and I have kind of been banking a whole bunch of these in advance. Um, so if we miss your email or your comments or anything, uh, we'll get back to you. It's fine. <laughs> so keep them coming in. We love hearing from you guys. Uh but onwards and upwards with this mm. week's film. Oh, upwards indeed, hey. Uh, yeah, up a, up a 40 degree incline with a, with a 320 ton boat. We are doing less banks and Maureen Gosling's Burden of Dreams. Yeah, what a film. Yeah, from 1982. Uh, this is the Criterion synopsis. For nearly five years, acclaimed German filmmaker Werner Herzog desperately tried to complete one of the most ambitious and difficult films of his career, Fitzcarraldo, the story of one man's attempt to build an opera house deep in the Amazon jungle. Documentary filmmaker Les Blanks captured the unfolding of this production, made more perilous by Herzog's determination to shoot the most daunting scenes without models or special effects, including a sequence requiring hundreds of native Indians to pull a full-size 320-ton steamship over a small mountain. The result is an extraordinary document of the filmmaking process and a unique look into the single-minded mission of one man... Mission of one of cinema's most fearless directors. <laughs> fearless or stupid? Determined, I think, <laughs> is probably the good word for him. Okay. So, in preparation, I, I mean, actually, we should probably say the reason Toby's on for this episode is... I love Werner. You love Werner. <laughs> I love Werner. Now, the question, big question is, what was your introduction to Werner? Paul F. Tompkins. I was going to say, was it Paul F. Tompkins? <laughs> yeah, I, I probably saw... I think I saw Grizzly Man, well, like, ages ago. That was 2005? Yeah, so I yeah. would have seen that and then started listening to CBB. 
um, and just Paul F. Tompkins doing a spot-on Werner impression. Yeah. And then that, like, it's so true with how he does his impression that that's actually how Werner is. He doesn't have to make it funny. Yeah. And then I started deep diving on Werner and just, you know... Finding more out, and I love his docos. I think his docos are great. Yeah, I think he he because it was around that kind of two thousand six, two thousand like when Comedy Bang Bang first really started. started yeah. You and I were into it, and ever since then, and you know, with Grizzly Man and stuff, like every time Werner puts out a film, we're we're there. Yeah. Like oh yeah, we've seen what like two, three of his docos at the film festival yeah. and things. So like um, oh, what was the technology? Law and the Behold. Yeah, he really <laughs> yes. hates people. Yeah, <laughs> yes, He's my kind of guy. <laughs> He hates nature and people and just existence. I actually went on like um, I doubt I watched a bunch of um, his docos just recently. Like Lo and Behold, what was it Lo and Behold? Yep, yeah. uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams is an amazing yeah, I've seen one. That a few times, yeah. um, but he, there, there was a new one that came out. Oh, the remember. one about the volcano? No, one about asteroids and things like that. Let me just quickly pull up his IMDb. And yeah, we can, it, um... it came out last year, I think. Or yeah, two yeah. Years ago. Um, well, there's Fireball, Visitors yeah, from Darker Worlds. Yeah, it was worlds. Fireball, yeah. So it was about, like, um, asteroids wiping out the planet. Sorry, the volcano one's Into the Inferno. Yeah, Into the Inferno is great. Yeah. Um, but the vo- um, asteroid one was, it was all right. Mm. Like, he was going around with, going, he filmed in Australia. Yeah. He was down here in Australia, didn't even know. <laughs> and then I watched uh, Meeting with Gorbachev. Uh, Gorbachev, yeah. Gorbachev, yep. which was actually really good as well. Um, Have you watched Family Romance LLC? No, I haven't. I don't know if that one's a doc. I think that might be a feature. Yeah, no, that that's him doing a f- uh, feature film again. I've been meaning to check that one out. Um, his last fictional film was um, that I'd seen was Queen of the Desert with um, uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, but, I, and I, I didn't was, get around to watching that one. That's six years ago, so he, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, he just does docos these days, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's kind of, like, uh, prior to that, so we had Queen of the Desert in, uh, yeah, 2015... Before that, you've got Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yeah, that's a great film. It's an amazing, underrated gem of a movie. So much so that one of my favourite bands, uh, AJJ, uh, formerly Andrew Jackson Jihad, have an entire song based on that that amazing film. Uh, AJJ. (laughs) But um, I was looking up in prep for this, like, how much of a documentarian versus narrative, like, featured filmmaker... I think he's, like, changed, like... Mm. I don't think he's much of a feature film kind of guy these days. Because watching Burden of Dreams, it almost feels like a Werner Herzog documentary about the making of a Werner Herzog film. Yeah, like, it, it does, actually. I mean, the way it's shot, like, lacking that narration, I suppose. Yeah. But, so it made me wonder, like, hey, like, is there a reason that Les Blanks made this as opposed to, say, Werner himself? Like, other than the fact that he's busy directing a I movie. I probably because <laughs> that production was crazy. Yeah. I don't think he would have had time to do that mm. as well as film the, mo- film the movie. Yeah, but I... He probably would have with all the downtime that they had. True, but uh, it turns out, yeah, Werner had actually made a whole bunch of documentaries prior to making Fitzcarraldo. Oh, did he? But, um, yeah, so it was kind of... It looks like throughout the... Sorry, it's like 80 years old or something, isn't it? Yeah, through the early 70s, he would really fluctuate. He's one of those filmmakers that was like a film... Like, I'm looking in 1971, he has three documentaries come out, then A Geary Wrath of God the next year, which is like the fictional film that really puts him on the map. Mm. And then he kind of then, for the next little while, really fluctuates between documentary, narrative, documentary, narrative. And yeah, it seems like at the moment he's in a real... 
documentary group. It's probably because he's just he's he's past it. Like he's 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 old now. Yeah, and it, I, I'd say doing a documentary would be a little bit less taxing than doing a, a feature, especially if he's got to show up and film roles in The Mandalorian. Is he? <laughs> He's like the bad guy at the beginning of The Mandalorian. Oh, that's right. I hate Bring that me show. the child. <laughs> Whatever. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, get too far That's into right. It. Yeah, Mainly because I'm just done with Star Wars. Yeah, that was a bad show. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Send me hate mail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, in, before we watched Burden of Dreams, uh, you'd never seen Fitz no, I've seen Fritz Gelato. Fritz Gelato. <laughs> Doby keeps calling it Fritz Gelato because back uh, when we uh, used to make things, uh, <laughs> we used to, we actually shot some commercials for Fritz Gelato, which is a gelato chain here at Melbourne. <laughs> so, I was in a dinosaur suit. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it, I'll track that stuff. I'll put links up for that stuff. It's really dumb. Um, but yeah, yeah, I watched Fritz Fritz Geraldo a couple of weeks back. Now mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, once I kind of asked you to jump on this episode, yeah. you, you kind of sat down. It's and it's one I I knew the story of. Like I I knew. It's infamous. Yeah, but um, I'd never gotten around to seeing it, and it's a it's a long film. It's like two and a half hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like two thirty five, I think. Yeah. yeah. So like, I didn't love it. I I like the second half of it. Yeah, I I watched it again this week in prep for the like before yeah. watching this, and it's not they don't get on the boat and on the river until about the fifty eight minute mark. Yeah. Well, and once they get on the boat, it's it gets a bit more interesting. It's yeah. like it's more mainly just because Klaus is such a dick. Yes, um, but you know that's I guess the, the character that he's playing. Uh, all the supports are really good in it. Claudia Cardinale is amazing. Yeah, well, yeah. even just the like the cook and mm-hmm. um, the captain as well yeah. of of the boat. They're they're really good. They're um, broad but very distinct yeah. characters. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they've. Yeah, they are. Mm. Um, I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I just, yeah, the, the second act was, the second half was really good, I yeah. thought. But the first is just really, like, meand- me- meandering. Yeah. Um, just slow and, like, I don't care for opera. These <laughs> <laughs> what- motivations are just like, oh, really? Like, but I guess that's what makes an interesting story, you know? Yeah, the, the first half of the film, his determination to bring opera to the jungle, mm. it's... it's opera doesn't of, belong anywhere, <laughs> let alone the jungle. He, he seems a little... He seems mad, yeah. so it's kind of perfect that it's... <laughs> Klaus Kinski. Yeah. But then once it gets into the jungle and, like, the whole... He gets into it. Yeah. You're like... the Where his determination to achieve his goal takes over, you're like, oh, that's what this whole thing is and it makes sense now, like... This is his determination and his dream manifest. Like, whereas when he was just a crazy guy running around hitting the church bell, you're like, okay, you really like opera. Well, but this is like, oh, you really <laughs> like it, opera. Well, it's kind of like, um, you could just, you could, like, after watching Burden of Dreams, it's, um, Klaus is just a, not an analogy, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, analogous for, like... For, for Werner himself. Yeah, he's, he's like a, an avatar. For yeah, a yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, um, a... You know, he's weren't a... Yeah, it's kind of... What's the words I'm looking for? I've got no words today. Um, it, it's just Werner. Like, it's the story of Werner using Klaus as himself, like you said, an avatar. And that's pretty much what, what it is, I think. Yeah, and in, instead of the idea of trying to go about achieving your dream by creating art, it's this guy's dream is to build the opera house. And so, yeah, it's... 
That's why it's super fucking rad that Burden of Dreams exists. Yeah, I, I had no idea about it until you asked me to be on this, and then I'm like, oh, what? They made a doco on, on, like, on this? How? I would happily... Uh, it's one... And because you were asking as well, like, why is the doco about the making of the film in Criterion and not the film? The film itself. And I threw out, like, you know, it's that standard thing of rights issues and things, because mm. Fitzcarraldo is... It's considered a high watermark of world cinema, like, for the achievements and everything that it was. Mm. But all of that aside, Burden of Dreams really is an amazing document about the struggles that go into making a fucking movie. Yeah, man versus nature. Well, not just that, like, the artistic struggle and determination of Werner himself, like... I it really it's the old, it's like a perfect companion piece to like Hearts of Darkness, yeah. the making of Apocalypse Now. It's it's so seldom that you get a great, like well constructed, well made documentary that dives into the insanity of making a fucking movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's you don't see them very very often these days and the last good one I would say is Lost in La Mancha, the Terry Gilliam yeah, one. Seen that. That's on um, making that movie that he finally made. The Don Quixote movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Mm. Is there one on Dune? Yeah, oh, well, there's Jodorowsky's that's, Dune. That's it, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, look, I, I agree. It is, um, it is a companion, great companion piece to Heart of Darkness. Uh, it's, it's just amazing that like it was a five-year production and he had so many outs. Like You would have thought after Jagger and... Jason Robards. Yeah, like after they left, it's like, well, you know, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, we've, we've filmed... Everything before the boat kind of section, like I can leave and it's just a failed attempt at a movie. Yeah, like the insurance will buy us out. Yeah. Like I'm sure they they had given you know both of those actors being involved. You've got like you know a good enough insurance policy to be able to like yeah we're, we're good we're yeah. good like you know it, it, we'll just is, call it quits and everyone walks away. And it is pretty crazy that he just decided now nah, let's just keep going let's let's do it let's. Yeah. Because at the time of making this, I think it was, uh, what, yeah, so 1979 mm. was when they first started shooting with Jagger and Robards. This is right after Robards has won his second Academy Award. What did he win? Uh, he won Supporting Actor for All the President's Men. Oh, yeah. And then he'd recently won Supporting Actor again for a movie called Julia. Okay. Uh, which I have actually never seen or heard of. That's surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's got two... Superstars yeah. in the initial version and Jagger. <laughs> oh my god! And the character choice—that's uh, again. This is what makes this doco so rad: is seeing how a filmmaker is able to adapt and change his vision so much, so that well, he, he completely ha- rewrote it pretty much. Yeah, because so. he was like, I, "We've lo- we've well, got Miss Jagger rewrote it, but you know. we've got Mick Jagger playing a, a well. You put it in a great way of he looks like he's playing Simple Jack from yeah. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Um, which, and you're right, Lee said, like, I, I wish that version of the movie still existed. <laughs> I'd like to see that 40% of the movie oh. that they shot. Oh, my God. That's, you hope that's in a vault somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe if they ever release, like, released, um, you know, extras on, yeah. the, on the DVD, mm. that'll come out. I doubt it. Yeah, I'm sure it's One gone. can dream. Yeah, Jack and made sure that footage was burnt. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... It, it how once that falls apart, he's like, well, you can't miss, you can't recast Mick Jagger. Like, you, no. it's, it's it's such a singular. Well, sting. What sting? Oh, yeah, okay, okay, but I think he was busy shooting Dune. So yeah, I just watched I watched Dune the other day. Dune, Dune as well the other day. <laughs> Sting's great in it. He really is. 
Gordon Sumner. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, back to this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's ama- the adaptability of you can't recast Mick Jagger. It's such a singular persona yeah. and idea that he completely rewrites the script and brings in instead Claudia Cardinale. Which works, and I think is... Um not detriment, the opposite of detriment. Like uh, it, it changes the film in a in a better, distinctly new way. Yeah, but it may, I think it makes it a lot better as well. Yeah, it makes. I, I'd rather see the story with that as it is yeah. than with having like you know a lackey that follows him around. Yeah, good call because it it, it shows you that someone cares and loves this guy. Yeah, as which opposed is strange because he's such a weird unit. Yeah, it, like it, and so it's like oh, there has to be something there that makes somebody actually love and care for this dude yeah. versus he just has a simple-minded failed actor friend. Yeah. Oh, like it gives him, um, it gives him depth, I guess, like mm. the character depth. Um, because yeah, like you said, someone, someone sees something in him. So we as an audience should see something in him. We can connect to him yeah. further by that. Yeah. Um, but it, that's, what's cool. The doco just real straightforward is like, here's the beginning attempt no, nope, we're down for like another 18 months or however long yeah, it's going to be. It's and crazy. it's like, oh, next attempt, next attempt. And then it really does focus the bulk of its time on the amount of downtime that they had making this film, like waiting and waiting for... And Klaus puts the best. It's like, oh, I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck here. Mm. Like, yeah, well, that's true. You're I'm in stuck in the of... fucking jungle. <laughs> You're in the middle of the jungle. You can't go yeah. anywhere because you might be shooting in half an hour. I, I hadn't seen this for a couple of years, but I... I I knew about in the making of... It's in the trivia and stuff of Fitzcarraldo. Mm. And I'd forgotten if it showed up in the doco or not. I was, like, kind of conflating it. But apparently Klaus was such an asshole. Yeah, the tribes hated him. Like, when I was was watching Fitzcarraldo, I was reading about it. And, yeah, all the tribes absolutely hated the guy. And loved Werner. Yeah. Hated him. Down to the point of some of the elders came to Werner and they're like, do you want us to... Well, that scene when, um, in Fritz Corraldo, when they're on the boat and all the villagers come in on the canoes and like, mm. having the dinner and all of that. Yeah. That was all, like, legit. They fucking hated him. And, and wanted to kill, like... Actually, actually asked yeah. Werner, like, do you want us to kill this guy yeah. for you because he's causing you so much grief? Yeah, and he's a fucking asshole. It's crazy. Like... It, it almost... You almost want some more footage in the doco about... Of Klaus. Just yeah. and how much of an asshole. But That's, I get the sense that Les Blanks is like... I want to steer clear of that dude and also that's not the focus of my doctor. Well, yeah that's like I was kind of surprised that there wasn't much just because of what I read about how difficult he was and how much of a prick he was yeah. that there wasn't that much on him in this documentary I kind of I, like you I wanted more of it um, but it also like you said doesn't make sense to focus on him it's more Werner's struggles with with making this movie. Yeah, the, the whole focus... And that's why it's called Burden of Dreams. It's all about what goes into and the struggles of achieving your dream as an artist. Yeah. And that's the focus. We, we don't give a shit about Klaus Kinski being an insane prima donna. Yeah. <laughs> it's such <laughs> like, an ambitious film as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's, that's kind of what's great about it. It just sits back and just doesn't judge, doesn't comment necessarily. It's almost like a fly on the wall. There's yeah. little to no narration, and when it shows up, it's almost news really. Yeah, and there's like, the the director asks a few questions to Werner, and yeah. they're very minimal kind of questions. Like, I think he asked um, why they separated the villagers from the, the cast and the crew. Yeah. And Werner gives like a pretty pretty good answer. It makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. The idea of like... Contaminating it, them. Yeah, it, it it gives you a really interesting insight that Werner gives a shit. 
he 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 as much as he's disrupting their lives he wants to try and preserve them as well yeah like yeah he's trying yeah he is trying to preserve their lives trying to preserve their way of life i guess is mm. more so not influenced too much because you know all those tribes would have like i think they show it in in the movie like the catholic missionaries and all of that yeah and they just come in trying to change them so. yeah exactly they're trying to westernize and yeah. that's and Werner's just like, I fucking hate the Western culture. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, no, none yeah. of this. Yeah. So you do you guys. Mm. We're not eating with you. We don't want your food. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys all hate our food. We, we will probably hate yours, yeah. we, and we don't want to offend either way, yeah. so let's just keep it separate. Yeah. And then there's the amazing scene where it's just like, yep, so we've been told to have prostitutes available yeah. <laughs> because we're in the middle of the fucking jungle for six months. Well, to make, a year? Makes sense, though. I'm sure every production has, like, a few ladies of the night on, on the payroll. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, most Hollywood productions, yeah, I guarantee of it. Of course. <laughs> but that's what kind of makes it fun, is the, pragma- the pragmatic approach to it. It's, it. it's not trying to judge or do anything. Like, you know, it's, it's a pure documentary. That's what a documentary should be, though. Yeah. It's not, a documentary shouldn't have a... Like a agenda. A, yeah, an agenda. Yeah, it should just be, this is what was happening this is the process watch it yeah just let this unfold and if we need to explain context we'll do that Mm. it's just present and it's it's giving you an insight into the difficulties and the challenges and what separated the making of this film from any other he's a a madman like why would you do this and and i love that the film actually ends with him just being like why the fuck did i do this i'm gonna end up in the lunatic asylum well that's what makes it so powerful is the ending of the doco i mean we're we're jumping all over the place but i mean it's It's, well that's what yeah yeah well i mean there's no other real way to approach this one but the fact that at the end of it he's just like I, you can tell me that this is the greatest achievement I've done in my career, but I will never agree with you. I'll never yeah. look back. Like, the struggle was so hard. People got injured, lost lives. Like, it's... it's Which is kind of in, so interesting to see is if an, an artist who is so determined to get achieve his, like... Goal. His goal, that by the end of achieving it, it's the journey to do that was he's, so difficult it breaks so it. defeated by the end of the film it's bro- it broke him yeah. and it's by the like as the film starts there's you with talking head it's interviews enthusiasm there's yeah. all that yeah he's got like his peppy mustache and his yeah. rugby jumpers and he's looking no he's happy. just got his defeated mustache yeah and then at the end it's like oh this is the word we know yeah well it is probably the breaking point of him like you said while we're watching it that this is why he hates humanity kind yeah. of thing. It's just like, and nature, just yeah. the over, like the overbearing savageness of it all. And it's, it doesn't give a fuck. And like, <laughs> yeah, it really and it's, and it's at the same time, he's like, and it shouldn't, but no. also uh-huh, like, it's so, yeah, I still, I still just can't get over the, like, why would you film this? Like, so we did a bit, of, I did, I didn't do much research, but this is like Fritz Corallo is based on like, some element of truth someone yeah. did actually drag a boat o- over a hill to get to another river or whatever yeah. but the boat was only like 30 tons versus 300 and they br- and Werner brings it up in the doco about how they cut- bisected it into about 14 pieces yeah, and did it in like a mission like that whereas Werner is like well where's the imagery in that yeah well, where's you know you want to it's you know Goliath, yeah, you know, David defeating Goliath. Like, you need that giant biblical 
amazing shot. And yeah, well, it's, it pays off. Yeah, well, seeing the final film and those sequences, it's fucking jaw dropping. Like, there's, I, I want to say Werner won like best director or something at Cannes. Like, it randomly did not get that big of a claim. Yeah, he won best director at Cannes. It was nominated for the Palme d'Or. And beyond that, he got a Golden Globe and a BAFTA nomination. And that was it. Like, you know, and other than that, like, no other festivals. Like, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, do you know what the, what the budget was for it? Mm-mm. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, I wasn't able to find that info. Yeah, okay. Especially given the, the prolonged yeah. nature of it and the dropping out and the changing so, and the shifting. Like, who produced it? Like, what studios was it? Um, mostly independent one, just independent okay. finances and things. So I wouldn't imagine it'd be a cheap film to do. Uh, yes and no. Like, I mean, yeah, you sh- hear about them paying the extras like a dollar fifty a day. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, <laughs> but it's just it, all the logistics that goes into it, though. Yeah, like that that element of it would be to me seems like that would all rack up like over such a long period of time. Like, someone's got to pay for it. Yeah. Um. Best I can find, 14 million Deutschmark. Oh, yeah. So... 79 money? I don't know, yeah. Well, I mean, and it, the film didn't finally get released until 1982, so it, it comes out the exact same year as this doco. Yeah. So I would imagine, like, doing the festival circuit back then, like, say, if we were to go to MIF, it's go see Fitzcarraldo, and then, all, and then you go see Burden of Dreams at the yeah, same time. True. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. Which would be kind of awesome. What other docos has Les Blank done? Um, I will just quickly look that up. I don't think I've heard of him before. I'm pretty sure he's got a, another box set, actually, in Criterion. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, there's, oh, he, he passed away in 2013. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. He was a cinematographer as well. Uh, 44 credits. Hmm. Um, just a lot of random, random docos, a couple of music ones. Okay. Um, yeah, just all over the shop. Yeah, Criterion have put out another like box set of like a bunch of his short docos and other yep. little stuff. So okay, interesting. It's pretty cool, but yeah. I think he was just one of those guys. He, uh, yeah, was a New Orleans guy. Study, got a BA in English Literature. Yep. And then an MFA in theatre, and then just transferred over and got a PhD in the film program, and just didn't kind of... know you could get a PhD in film. Oh yeah, at, at, at U, uh, USC, and then he just kind of went on the road and just, I guess, was just solely concentrated on document documentaries. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because it was yeah, it was a well made doco as well. Like it's it was pretty pretty decent, especially for for the time. Yeah, like I said, it, it's that wonderful thing where it. It doesn't try to do anything but be a fly on the wall. Yeah. It's it's like the subject matter and the setting and everything that's unfolding is so interesting in and of itself mm. that he d- needs to do nothing more than shoot let, it. Just let it go. Yeah. Just, just shoot it, simply and plainly. Um, I also love that the film, it's not a film by Les Blanks, it's a film by Les Blanks and Maureen Gosling, who was the editor. Like So it's not a solely his film. The fact that it's 
duly credited to her well, as well, editor, I think. Editors tell a story anyway. Oh, and particularly with a documentary like this, yeah. like him being on set for however many, and just all that footage. Well, that's like, that's the amazing part, is that like he would have been there from start to finish kind of thing, and, mm. like to get all of that footage. Like, yeah. That's five years of his life just to do, or however long, you know, three yeah. years of his life just to do this. Yeah, and th- that's why it's amazing the Criterion Edition comes with an 80-page book of his journal, journal entries yeah. about the insanity. I've got a a little bit of a quote from him if you want to hear. Yeah, I do, but it's also got the um, short film of Werner eating his shoe, too. Yes, it is, also made by Les Blanks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, throughout production, Les Blanks and his small crew became exhausted and exasperated from the stress of the work. Uh, Blanks said that he felt unconnected to peop- the people around him. I mean, as you would, because yeah. if you just... You're, not relate- you're a documentarian, you're not supposed to interact or yeah. relate to them, so it's, you've got to keep yourself removed. Um, keeping up with the antics of Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski proved difficult for the reserved, introverted blank. Um, by the last week of production, he was so burnt out that he feared coming out of production would be, quote, like some Vietnam veterans, horribly calloused. <laughs> God. He wrote in his personal journey, I'm tired, I'm tired of it all, and I couldn't care less if they move the stupid ship or finish this fucking film. <laughs> Oh, I feel you, Liz. Yeah. But, again, that's what's kind of awesome about it. Like, the idea of it's a documentary about a guy who's going to the absolute limits to achieve his dream. Making a film about a guy who's going to the absolute limits of achieving his dream. And the documentarian goes to the absolute limits. It's this beautiful fucking, like, symmetry there. So did Werner hire him, or did he just want to do it? I think Les just wanted to do it. Like, was familiar and kind of had known Werner and stuff, and was just like, this sounds insane and monumental that you're going to try and achieve this. I want to be there to document it. And God bless him for doing it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We wouldn't have this much... I was going to say masterpiece. This great documentary film. Yeah. It's it's a tough one. It's going to be a short episode because it's so... What what can you really say? It's like a really well-made documentary. It shows the struggles that Werner and the crew went through in making this ambitiously stupid film. Yeah, but it's Um, like there's a 20-minute segment on how they constructed the pulley system. Yeah, which is great, because that's really interesting. Yeah, but there's not much to kind of... No, there's not much to dissect, because there's there's not much in the film. There's a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of just imagery. Yeah, there's a lot of like shots of just the villagers, um, the interaction of how everyone's kind of yeah. blending, I guess. And it's not like bringing up a lot of information. It's like it's an it's an hour and thirty five, but if you wanted to make it into like an informative documentary or whatever, with just talking and blah blah blah, it'd probably be you know forty five fifty minutes. Yeah, there's no interviews with like the DP. No. There's that, that oh, one. Inter- one yeah. There's the one interview. There's the one interview with Klaus. Yeah, nothing with Claudia. Yeah. At all, so like, it's like it's talking to Werner a bit of the time, and then there's some narration, and and that that's about it, really. It's yeah. There's not not a lot in the documentary, I guess. I mean, there is, but there's not. It's a yeah. I it's, think it's kind of hard to to describe. I guess. I think what what it is and what it does well, it, it shows you the manic nature of a film production and what it's like to actually be on set. It shows the struggles of a madman. Yeah, and it also the care at the same time that went into it like the fact that the great thing about it is that it takes so much time to shine a light on how the production didn't just come in and 
fuck up these people's culture. Well, they did it, their best not to anyway. Yeah, um, while while the credits were rolling and when you went to the bathroom, it actually came up saying, like, by the time of the post-production finishing in this yeah, documentary, so, they got the land. Yeah. So it's... Oh, no, they said they didn't get the land. No, no, then it comes up later saying that by oh. the time they finished making the doco, yes, they had. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, that was one of Werner's promises. Yeah, so it's the fact that he's taking the care to kind of not exploit them, but also, like... Try and preserve, yeah, and present the culture. It's it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, I, I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. I probably enjoyed it more than than Fritz Krah. I probably enjoyed it equally amount. I don't know. I've got a weird thing where I love watching docos about making movies. Yeah, well, it's really satisfying, and it makes it reminds me why I don't do production work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I felt for a lot of those people. It's hard work and you get paid nothing yeah. and it's shitty. Yeah, especially being in like the Amazon jungle as oh. well. All right, well, here's a question. If you were given the opportunity to be a crew member on this film... Wh- well, I don't think that's a... like. You wouldn't know what you're really getting into. Yeah, but I'm asking you, Toby, now, if you could have the opportunity to be like transported back in time and be... A crew person on there for that experience, would you do it? Oh, I probably would. Yeah. Like, yeah, I probably would. As hellish as it looked at points, it would be so, just the worldly experience of yeah, it. Yeah, and it would be something to tell the grandkids, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, you're never going to have an experience like that again. Mm. Um, it's just as, as, yeah, as hellish as it is, as hectic as it was, it did look like a good you know a good experience so mm. you're, you're making something that is that hasn't been done before and hasn't isn't going to be done again yeah and that's what's awesome Werner points out he's like this is probably going to be the one of the last narrative features to incorporate a native tribe yeah and it, it's amazingly done and yeah it, it's it's such a unique film and it's awesome that there is such a great comprehensive fly on the wall doco because yeah, imagine if there was like I don't know how the fuck they made Fitzcarraldo there's nothing really out there about it no. it just exists in a bubble yeah it's just a few like interviews and snippets of and when it just been like I fucking hated it yeah. <laughs> that's uh, madness yeah <laughs> uh, yeah mm. But I guess that's that's burden of dreams. Like we say, it's shortish episode because what do you do? Where do you go? Like it's so you can't really analyze it too much. It's a documentary. No. Yeah, that's it. That I mean, documentary is an analysis of something else. Yeah, well, not even that. It's 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 such a fly on the wall, mm. simple experience thing. Yeah. Um, if you've never seen Fitzgerald, you'd, you'd seen it before. Hadn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But like I said, I've got a weird fascination with. Oh films. no, I, I, I like watching movies made about movies. Like yeah. Doctor made about movies. I mean, that's why you love Once Upon a Time so much. I reckon. Probably. No, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But um, um yeah, yeah, it's it's the reason. Like, I love shit like this. Hearts of Darkness. Uh, Lost in La Mancha. I think I like this more than Fritz Corralda. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. I think that's what's so weird is Just cause I think because this has Werner. Yeah, and it's also oddly. It sounds weird to say out loud, but like it's a way more interesting story than Fitzcarraldo. Oh yeah, it is a hundred percent. Which is kind of weird because Fitzcarraldo is such a bizarre out there yeah. story, but the story about the guy who made that and tried to do that yeah. is way more interesting. Yeah. Well, I've got a question for the listeners because I want to know, and I can't bother looking it up. There's a scene um, when in Fitzcarraldo the movie where. They're trying to get financing, and they're at some like hoity-toity like 
uh, you know, shindig. A soiree, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And they, they um, come out with this giant fish on a platter. With, with what looks like mustard all over it. Yeah, I want to know what type of fish it is. If anyone knows, please write into Chris. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Toby wants to serve that at his, at his like, next party. Yeah. At his next soiree. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I'm jumping into the episode here because uh, recording with Toby kind of threw me out of whack. I'm kind of just used to recording with him the Great Scott episodes and some of the other shows we've done. So I totally forgot to introduce a very important segment. It's now time to hear what Claire thinks this movie's about. That music means it is time once again for Claire's... Oh, I've forgotten. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. Tisk tisk tisk. Claire's thing. What's this movie about? What's this movie about? All right. So, once again, I've got uh, some info for you. Yep. You get the advantage of the physical copies in front of you. Ooh, ooh, we have ooh. Burden of Dreams from 1982. Yeah. It is... Um, I guess you would call it an American film, but it's in English, German, Spanish, and indigenous Peruvian languages. Okay. And would you like the genre? Yes, please. Documentary. Documentary. What's Burden of Dreams all about? Oh, documentary, Burden of Dreams, looking at the front cover. She's staring intently at the front cover. <laughs> I know, like it's going to give me an answer. So there's a guy, and he is documenting. Um, as documentarians tend to do. <laughs> as documentarians do. <laughs> he is documenting. He's on a boat in, what, rivers are in Peru? Fuck. <laughs> a hey, lake? Yeah. He's in a lake. <laughs> a lake in Peru. And he runs into bunches of tourists and asks them questions. That's why it's in multiple languages. Okay. And he's also talking about the burden that it puts on the indigenous peoples. Oh, okay. So you're thinking it's kind of like an environmental documentary yeah. to some degree. Yeah. Okay. So it puts burden because they can't have their culture because they've got all these tourists around. I get you. Bloody I get annoying. you. Hmm. But he's also a tourist there because he's using a very big boat. <laughs> Uh, do you want to hear the actual synopsis? Yeah, it'll bit make more sense. For nearly five years, acclaimed German filmmaker Werner Herzog... Oh, so it could be about a bear or it could be about <laughs> a guy in jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, are you mistaking... Um, Errol? Oh, no, because he produced uh, Thin Blue Line. You're yeah. right. Look at you. Uh, Werner Herzog desperate for five years, acclaimed German filmmaker Werner Herzog desperately tried to complete one of his most... One of the most ambitious and difficult films of his career, Fitzcarraldo, the story of one man's attempt to build an opera house deep in the Amazon jungle. Documentary filmmaker Les Blanks captured the unfolding of this production, made more perilous by Herzog's determination to shoot the most daunting scene without models or special effects, including a sequence requiring hundreds of native Indians to pull a full-sized 320-ton steamship over a small mountain. Okay, so I was right about the boat being big and about <laughs> environmental concerns with 
tourists wanting to do stupid shit. The result is an extraordinary document on the filmmaking process and the unique look into the single-minded mission of one man's... of, of what... Mission of one of cinema's most fearless directors. Okay, I feel like you're going to have to unpack a lot of those issues. <laughs> yes. All right, and before we jump back into the episode, uh, I also forgot to do the tagline challenge. Like I said, I was, I was all out of sorts with this recording. Uh, so I'm going to throw out mine right here. Uh, trust me, it is still the original one that I wrote down in my notes. Uh, so my attempt is a man... A boat, a jungle. What could go wrong? All right, with that, back to the episode. Um, well, on that note, do you want to hear a little bit of trivia about yeah, the movie? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the film won the Flaherty Documentary Award at the 1983 BAFTAs. Okay. So that was kind of the, the one bit of praise that the docu got. 84, did you say? Uh, 83 BAFTAs. Oh, yeah. um, it, it is ranked uh, 14th in the filmmaker's greatest documentaries of all time in the Sout, uh, Sight and Sound uh, poll from 2016. That's interesting. So every 10 years, Sight and Sound get together and they're like... We're going to have two polls where it's uh, the 100 best features and documentaries yeah. by critics yeah. and filmmakers themselves. Okay. And so filmmakers themselves have voted this the 14th best documentary of all time. There you go. That's interesting. I get it. Because yeah, <laughs> it's mean, such I, a, I, like, glimpse I get, I get it as well. But, like, it's, it's interesting. I wouldn't think it would be that high. Mm. I think on the 2016 one, I, I have a feeling, like, Active Killing was, like, made both lists. Like, Well, that's amazing. Yeah, it's... Oh, well, again, Werner as well, producing that, so... Did he? Yeah, yeah, he helped get that, that thing made. Did he do the second one as well? Yeah, yeah, Look of Silence. Yeah. yeah. Joshua Oppenheimer. Great. Um, I talked about the Les Blanks' quotes. Um, here we go. Uh, Les uh, would often ask Werner to repeat statements uh, while being filmed that he originally made off-camera. Um, in a 2009 interview with Jesse Pearson for Vice Magazine, Blank was asked to recall a scene in the documentary showing Herzog delivering a monologue about the violence and destruction of the jungle around him. Uh, Blank said that the scene originally took place in the middle of a canoe ride away from the cameras, but he liked the speech enough to coax it out of Herzog again. Hmm. Uh, when the moment was right, Blank told Vice, I pulled him aside and said, uh, can I do a little interview? And he said, sure. <laughs> Uh, good. Uh, then he, um, Blank, kind of led him, basically, kind of. Yeah. He coaxed him into yeah. it. He he didn't say repeat what you said. Just. Say, but he yeah. set up a scenario and kind of got him back to that point where they were on the canoe ride. So yeah. it's not fabrication. It's kind of getting that yeah, yeah, elicited yeah. response out again. Um, so the film ends with uh, Werner getting a photograph, ta- a sequence of him getting a photograph and onto a postcard, yeah. and it has some um, native, uh, some writing on there that's not in English. I think it's Spanish or uh, Peruvian. Peruvian, probably. Uh, the translation is: "What world will I say to convince you that all my happiness is in loving you?" Okay. So I'm guessing it's a postcard he was sending back to his family because Werner abandoned his family to make this film. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, other than that, um, yeah, any final thoughts? Watch this. It's a good one. Yeah. It's definitely worth a look. Um, we're kind of... We're at the start of our documentary triptych at the moment. So, like, we just got the, a bit of a run of docos at the moment. Um, this, I think, is a very entertaining one to check out of those three. Yeah. Especially if you are familiar with Werner Herzog or... Fitzcarraldo itself. Yeah. I, I, I'd recommend it if you like Werner. Yeah. 
So are you glad that you watched Fitz as well? Yeah, I'm, this? I'm 100%. Like, I wouldn't have... I mean, I'm sure I would have got a lot out of this if I hadn't seen Fritz beforehand, but just seeing that and knowing what it actually is and what they achieved with that film and knowing that it was all real, this just puts it in, like, in a different... Like, like it gives it substance, I guess, like, yeah. to show how hard it was for them to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's still in print from Criterion as a one-disc DVD, and it comes in this gorgeous box set with the book that we mentioned earlier. Uh, but it comes with the special features of an audio commentary by director Les Blank, editor and sound recordist Maureen Gosling, and Fitzcarraldo director Werner Herzog. Uh, Dreams and Burdens, a new 38-minute video interview with Herzog. Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe from 1980, a 20-minute film by Blank featuring Herzog fulfilling a bet. <laughs> Uh, deleted scenes, photo gallery of images taken by Gosling on set, theatrical trailer, as well as the usual book and essays that Criterion usually do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good little version. Yeah, it's, uh, it's worth it just for the Werner Herzog eats his shoe. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to listen to the commentary with Werner. It'd be super interesting. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah, especially because it was done in... When did this come out? 2005. Okay. So it, it's older Werner kind of looking back, reflecting. Yeah. So. Um, but I guess that'll wrap us up for our Burden of Dreams episode. Yes. Um, did you did you did you like it? You liked it. Oh uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I've seen you it. I think said, you just said that. Uh, this is my second and a half time. Okay. Like, because when I first got the Criterion Channel a year or two ago, I was like, I'll put that on for a little bit in yeah. the background. But yeah, I, I really like it. As I said, I'm a sucker for yeah, docos so. like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess now's a good time to plug Great Scott. Yeah, you should listen to that. That's a great one. <laughs> that is the show uh, Toby and I are doing as a bonus at the moment over on the Patreon, uh, in addition to the monthly commentaries and stuff that Lee and I do there. Uh, Toby and I are working our way through the filmographies of Ridley and Tony <laughs> Scott, trying to figure out who is the Great Scott. It's really dumb and really fun. It's Tony. <laughs> at the moment, it might be. It We've might be Tony. We've Tony film, haven't we? We've got the second one coming up. Yeah, we've only got we've only done one too, but like <laughs> yes. knowing where we're going with Tony, yeah. I can't, I'm I've got I'm really kinda of hoping Tony pips it out. Uh, he will. We're doing like analysis on like numbers rankings and so we'll have oh, a definitive winner at I, the end. I'm really looking forward to watching Top Gun again. Yeah. Really, really looking forward to watching that. So if you want to listen to any of those, uh, at the time of recording this, um, we've got uh, five episodes out now, I, I think, think, over so, there. Yeah. Five oh, yeah, or six. Legend. Ugh. Yeah, Legend. That uh, movie sucks. That one's not out yet. I'm putting that out, I think, in a, a week's time. Okay. Oh, no, it might be out by the time this comes out. So, right. Jesus Christ, Legend. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're interested in that, if that sounds fun, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Criterion Quest, and I'll link to it in the episode notes, as always. Um, but... You know, supporting the Patreon not just helps us pay for the server cost and new equipment and, you know, keeping this whole thing going, but uh, you get some fun shit like that. So We've uh, got lots more to come. Yeah, we've got like 30 more movies to go. Jesus. <laughs> Toby looks really disappointed. No, I'm really, really happy. <laughs> I just wish that Tony did Beverly Hills Cop 3 instead of 2. Ah, uh, what? It's okie dokie, man. Oh, we're going to have such a Beverly Hills Cop discussion. It's going to be great. <sighs> um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, Lee's killing over on the Instagram uh, at Criterion Quest. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Criterion Quest. You can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Otherwise, Lee is going to be back with me again uh, in next episode for Orson Welles' F4 Fake. 
There's a documentary about trickery and deceivery and deception. Oh, I've never seen that. I don't think you would like it. Yeah? Yeah. It's an odd, odd, odd film. Oh. Um, well, I won't watch it then. Tune in for that, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an interesting episode, that is all I'll say. Uh, otherwise, thank you all for listening. Uh, we really love and appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight's time. But for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Toby. We'll see you next time. 